You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Marcus Taylor. And he's the founder and CEO of Venture Harbor, which is a digital innovation studio in Oxfordshire that has built a multi-million dollar portfolio of highly automated online businesses with zero funding, including things like SaaS tools, comparison sites, and more recently, Mac OS apps. Marcus also developed the world's first scientifically valid method of measuring human comfort zones and has been featured in Forbes 30 Under 30. So that's a, that's a lot to talk about in 25 minutes, but we're going to talk about something very cool today. So welcome to the show, Marcus. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Great to be here. Yes, thank you. So, you know, what's really cool about having a guest like you is you have so many different things that you've got your hands in that <laughs> there's never a lack of things to talk about. But our challenge today is that, you know, we typically run these interviews and they're typically about 20 to 25 minutes long. So pre-interview, we started talking about one of your ventures and how that SaaS product is helping people to generate three times more leads from their current website traffic. So that's what we're going to dive into today. That's the promise we're going to make the audience. But before we do that, give us a little bit of a backstory. Tell us how you, you know, how you landed here. Give it, take a couple minutes and then we'll dive into, into the main topic. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was largely an accident. <laughs> I, um, I started coding websites when I was about 10 years old and didn't really think anything of it until I was about 16 or so and started getting involved in just playing, playing in the music industry. And I built a website called The Musician's Guide. And through The Musician's Guide, that I grew that up to about a million visits. And I, I just got bitten by this online marketing bug. I, I just loved the creative process of, of building different, building these online businesses and the challenge of growing them. So from there, it was just a case of, you know, building more and more of these different, different softwares and different tools. And one day I turned around and realized, like, I think I need a, I need a company to put all these ventures into. So Venture Harbor was an, I never, you know, intended to sort of, um, unlike most companies that start with a big vision and then go out, Venture Harbor's kind of been the opposite. I, I just built all this stuff. And then needed a company to put put these ventures into. Interesting. So one of the first things you did was you built a site in and around the music industry, and then that was. I mean, do you still own that? Is something? Is that something you've sold, or did it just you know fall out of favor? Where did that go? So that that one just kind of fell out of favor. It did did quite well for for a couple of years, and then I I started to kind of create a few more ambitious ventures. And Venture Harbor today, we have one rule, which is that each venture has to be more ambitious than the last. And so now when I look back at those sites, they're, they're very kind of small in terms of the, the thinking behind the concept. 
So we don't really spend much time on them. I think it probably is still still live on a server somewhere, but it's not really something we actively work on today. So have you raised capital for this or did you have you bootstrapped most of this? I mean, what is it? What does that look like? It's 100% bootstrap. So we we have never raised funding. And basically how that has worked is we were very fortunate in that some of our early ventures were quite successful and quite profitable. And so we then kind of snowballed that, the profit from that into building the next venture. And, and luckily we sort of had a chain of, you know, there were a lot of failures along the way and we had a lot of learning to do, but, but we've been able to kind of grow this fund, which means that we, every year we can invest in building new ventures and sort of just keep it all bootstrapped. Love it. Okay. So how many companies do you, how many different companies do you have under Venture Harbor right now? Or let's call um, them so ventures, maybe not companies. I guess they're ventures, right? Let's think about it that way. Yeah. So there's nine different ventures currently. Wow. Holy cow. And that's a wide range of different things from SaaS products to tell us about some of the other ones or give us just a quick preview of what some of the other ones include. Yeah. So, so one that I'm really excited about at the moment is a, a Mac OS productivity app called Serene. Um, it's, it's very kind of early private alpha stage at the moment. But the gist behind that is you press a button and it puts your phone on silent. It blocks distracting apps, distracting websites. We've got these kind of Philip Hughes strip lights, which turn red. So the whole idea is kind of we're simplifying the process of getting into deep work and, and deep focused. That's the latest one, the one that we're kind of working away at quite a lot at the moment. We've got a, far, a kind of affiliate comparison sites, lead gen, SaaS tools, all kinds of different, different applications. Interesting. So you've got nine different companies. How long ago did you start, you know, really getting serious about Venture Harbor where you really thought about turning it into a business? What year was that? So that was 2012. And I, I was kind of 50% consulting and 50% building these, these ventures. And it was, it was around 2015, I think, that we decided no more clients. You know, we we're no longer going to be a consultancy. And we sort of fully focused on building these ventures. So 2015 was the year that Venture Harbor became what Venture Harbor is today, which is this kind of, for lack of a better term, digital innovation studio that, that builds ambitious ventures. But the first few years were a little bit kind of, we we're still sort of finding our feet as to what we were doing. Love it. So you went full-time, fully committed in 2015. So you, you've been running this hard for the last you know three, four years now. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious. Could you help draw us a picture as to what that's how you've been able to grow the scale of the operation, whether that be a number of employees or percentage growth or revenue or even a range of revenue to try to help us understand, you know, the the trajectory that you're going at? Yeah. So um so we've we've been growing on a trajectory of about three hundred to seven hundred percent growth per year. And what's particularly kind of interesting about that is that we've kept the team very small. So it's Venture Harbor is a core team of about six people who are running all nine ventures. We do have about 25 to 30 external contractors that work on our our ventures, but the team hasn't really grown an awful lot despite this massive growth in revenue. And that's largely because our ethos is around building ventures that are highly automated, where we can scale through technology rather than scale through people, which is how most companies operate. So it really comes down to the, the businesses that we choose to be in, the, the industries and the, the business models we, we pick very much facilitate that. And a, a clear example of this is we, we actively do not pursue enterprise clients. We found early on that when we tried to kind of get enterprise companies 
using our, our products, it required so much kind of bespoke work that that was a model that required a lot of people scaling. And so we actively moved away from that and focused on, on sort of small to medium-sized businesses. No, I love that thought process. Can you give us a sense? I mean, I'm assuming it's seven figures. Is it seven fi- low seven figures, high seven figures, eight figures? I mean, share what you can there because I'd like to understand. I mean, most of my guests are you know, seven or eight figures, you know, and they've been doing business for somewhere in the range of five to 10 years. So I'm curious how you fit into that. Yeah. So we're, we're not sort of too far off that. So we're looking at ending, ending 2019 at sort of mid seven figures. And awesome. In terms of the, the sort of the, yeah. So on with sort of six, six core team members, we're looking at sort of 60, 70% profit margin on that. Yeah. That's, that's sort of fantastic. Where we're at. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's a few years of just full-time. You've diversified your risk into nine different ventures. I'm sure it's a typical 80-20 like most, you know, like most yeah. revenue models, <laughs> right? You've got 20% of your ventures are generating 80% of your revenue. So, and you're building the others. And I love that whole funded, self-funded approach. You're taking the profits from these existing ventures and you're setting aside X amount to invest in new ventures. I think that's a fantastic business model. And I love the fact that you're not beholding to any outside money. So well, listen, we could talk about this stuff for hours, but I want to talk about what we decided early on, which is we're going to talk about how to help my listeners to generate three times more leads for their business without having to necessarily increase their traffic, right? From their current website mm. traffic. So you're going to unpack that for us a little bit today and what you've learned through that process. And one of the ventures you know, that you started not that long ago is really kind of leading the charge in that. So why don't you help us unpack that for the audience? Sure. So so we discovered something about four years ago, which was very interesting and un- unusual, which was we had a, a comparison site in the finance industry that we were running paid ads to, but paid traffic in the finance industry, is in, particularly in our niche, uh, was very, very expensive. And so we started to obsess over conversion optimization. And what we realized, we A-B tested a, our contact form, uh, which was on the homepage. And it was converting at, I think, 11% when we started, which was not economical. Like our paid ads just made no sense converting at 11%. And we changed this form to like this interactive, almost quiz-like form. So rather than filling out these white you know, boxes, like most contact forms are, we change it to these big clickable images. Um, in fact, I think if, if you go to the website today, brokennotes.co, I think you can still see the, the lead form that we have there. And this, this lead, lead gen form that we changed it to converted, at, I think, initially 46%, and then we further refined it to about 52%. So we almost kind of you know, in, increased the, the number of leads by four to five X without increasing the, the traffic at all. And we, when we first kind of saw this, we, we were almost, we didn't believe it. We thought surely our, you know, we've accidentally installed our Google Analytics code five times or something, something must be broken. Um, but then we applied the same concept to an e-commerce site that we ran in the music industry where people were trying to buy contracts. We changed the homepage to a, this really nice interactive lead form that helped people find the right product sooner it kind of segmented them into these different boxes and gets the right product and the same thing again the average order value shot through the roof the time it took people to get the right product reduced and the the site-wide conversion rate increased so we've been really fascinated by you know this these sort of interactive lead gen forms as a you know really kind of nice hack for ramping up ramping up leads without increasing traffic yeah so it's really interesting because i've seen some of these 
particularly over the last few years. And I probably have seen some of your forms and not even known that it was your business, right? <laughs> and I know the company that you're that you own that kind of is leading the charge in this is called Leadformly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leadformly.com. So anybody wants to check that out, obviously, after the after the interview here, feel free to do that. So these forms, like you said, they were really some of the forms and and some of the strategy was to try to leverage images and leverage design versus just having a plain text-based form where it was, you know, submit, right? Where it's just mm. average, standard, boring, you know, not compelling. That's what you just shared, right? That's that was one of the focal points. That's one of the early learnings. Yeah. So the original hypothesis that we we had was, um, I believe me and my marketing manager had just got back from a, a, a uh, conversion conference in Estonia, and they were talking about cognitive biases, which is basically proven ways in which people make irrational decisions. And we were fascinated by this concept, and we wanted to apply lots of these different cognitive biases to forms. So a classic example of this is, you know, those, you know, there's like, um, when you go to coffee shops, you get those like loyalty cards with the stamp holes. Yeah. So there was like a, a proven study that, that found that if you get, if you give people one of those um, loyalty cards with 10 spaces to be stamped, but one of them is already stamped, so they, so they have to buy nine more coffees, let's say, to get their free one. People are more likely to be loyal and buy those nine coffees as it, than if you had given them a, a card with nine spots to fill out. So this, this is an example of like the illusion of progress increases the likelihood of people taking an action. So because in both of those examples, you have to buy nine coffees. It's exactly the same, but the illusion of progress of, of already having one stamped makes people more likely to complete. So we apply things like that to forms. Like we wanted to say, well, what if a progress bar in a form looks like it's already started? Does that increase the conversion rate? And we found 58 of these kind of little design changes that increase conversions. And one of the one of the sort of easiest things to do that has probably the biggest impact that you don't need to use Leadformly to do this. This is a really kind of nice thing you can, you know, if you're already using a contact form, you can apply this to your to your own, is splitting up the form over multiple steps. So there was, I think we found in one of our tests, there was a f- increase the the conversion rate of the form by about 53% by simply just taking the form, the questions you're already asking and breaking that over, say, two or three different steps. It's a really nice kind of simple design change that almost always increases the conversion rate. Wow. So there's so there's a lot of psychology that's going into this, right? I mean, and there's also, I think part of that is differentiating what they're used to seeing, right? It makes it a little bit more compelling. I mean, everybody's filled out these forms, whether it be for a lead magnet or whether it be for a servicing query or you know, customer service or whatever it is, right? We're formed to death, right? I mean, we we're filling out forms left, right, and center, and they're just used to seeing that plain static form. So number one, it's kind of different. Number two, it falls in line with that psychological component, like you said, the you know the irrational bias or what? what did, how did you frame it? The cognitive biases. Yeah, I called it irrational biases, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> same thing. <laughs> yeah, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. So anyway. <laughs> so what else, what else did you discover and what else did you not only discover, but apply that is allowed, you know, your clients and customers of Leadformly to be able to, you know, to generate significantly more leads without having to increase their traffic? What else did you learn? So another big area is, is around lead segmentation. So another thing that we, we discovered was that there's a really amazing opportunity 
with forms to basically break your audience up into these and put them into these different buckets based on either what they're looking for or who they are. And so with Brokenotes, the, um, the finance site we started with, as soon as people got to the site, this interactive form would ask them, are you looking to trade Forex, stocks, commodities, crypto indices? And as soon as they had answered that question, all of the follow-up marketing that we did was so much more personalized because we knew what they were looking for. And you know, if you imagine an agency, we've seen um, some of our agency clients use these kind of interactive forms to, to try and identify you know, what type of lead is this and how ready are they to receive a proposal or what industry are they in? And so this is like a, a really quite an exciting thing because as soon as you have that information, you can, you can personalize content on your website. You can personalize the content they receive in the emails, which increases the performance of all the kind of email campaigns that you send to them. So it's, for me, it's like this super high leveraged point, like by asking the right questions in that lead gen form, you can kind of significantly ramp up the, the performance of all the, the marketing that you're doing downstream. Yeah. So I looked at an example on your website before we started talking, and I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. And it's, it's, it's a digital agency inquiry form, right? So it's kind of a, what an agency might have when somebody was inquiring about the service. And what's really cool about it is that you know, it says, we're experts in engaging audience and converting clicks to customers. Which of our digital services are you looking for? And then it asks them through a visual kind of question, SEO, PPC, content marketing, CRO. And then when you pick one and then you hit continue, the progress bar moves down, right? Further. And it asks you another question, right? So then it mm. asks a, a multi-step question. And I thought that was really interesting. So so is that what, that's kind of what you're referring to, right? This segmentation, because now they've answered one question and now they can have a different set of questions based upon how they answered the last question. Yeah. So it, it makes, again, like makes this interactive form feel a bit more conversational because if, if you answer the first question to that form by saying, I'm interested in PPC, then the next question can be, well, okay, I, you know, have you, have you done programmatic display ads? Have you done remarketing? Have you done social advertising? So you can start to, I mean, that would be a ridiculous question to ask someone who is interested in content, but for PPC, that makes total sense. And so it means that when the lead comes through, you have far more useful information on that lead. But it also means that as a, a marketer or, or a salesperson, you're far better positioned to convert that lead because you know more about what they're looking for. You know, you understand that lead a lot more and you can help them find the right solution. Got it. Okay. So the first thing we talked about was the design element and how you converted these forms from just static, you know, uh, boxes to more imagery and and walking through that process of having a, a status bar. And then we talked about segmenting the audiences or segmenting the audience by asking different questions and having a series of questions that led them down a certain path and then eventually into a lead. What else? What what other things did you learn or that could you could share with the audience that might help them to, you know, to start getting more leads from their existing traffic? So I think the the final thing that that was really fascinating um, for us when we were when when we were sort of studying forms and trying to figure out what what really works when it comes to forms was we realized that probably the single biggest thing that is going to impact a form's conversion rate is how motivated are people to actually get what's on the other side of the form? Like ultimately everyone fills out forms because they want 
to achieve some kind of outcome. There is something on the other side of that form that they want. And the way I often describe this to, to people is like, you know, government tax return forms are the worst designed forms in the world, but they have a very high conversion rate because people are very motivated to fill out the tax return forms. Similarly, you know, if you offered a Ferrari to everyone for, to, for filling out your form, it would probably convert pretty well. So motivation plays a, a big part in form conversion rates. And so something that we try to encourage our users to, to think about is, you know, is what you're offering, are you communicating to people on your site something that they're motivated to get by filling out your form? A classic example of this is, you know, when a lot of people start, come to us, the contact form on their website will just, you know, it will just say something like inquire now, send us an inquiry, what's your message? You know, the kind of thing that you, you know, you often see. Whereas we try and encourage people to, you know, at minimum, think about if you're an agency, for example, offer them a proposal and tell them that in that proposal, it's going to include your pricing. It's going to include customer references. Like when someone is a potential lead is on your website, on the agency's website, they're thinking like, I want to see a proposal and I want to know that this agency is credible and all these questions. So if you can help them answer those questions quickly and communicate that in your form, then the form is going to have a higher conversion rate because people are more motivated to fill it out. Yeah. So what I like about that is number one, you're setting expectations, right? You're letting them know before they even get it, what they're going to get. And you're mm. drawing a picture in such a way that you're, you're selling in a lot of ways, you're marketing to get them to complete the form, right? So you're really selling them to complete the form because you're showing them the real benefit at the end of the day. So I think you're reminding people. And I think particularly with that multi-step approach, I think that that obviously would be an important piece. That's awesome. I really love it. So what else do you want to share about, you know, about this form component? Because again, listen, we were laughing before we hit record. I mean, forms are definitely not the sexiest thing in the world, right? <laughs> They're not the sexiest thing to talk about. But I want to reiterate to the audience, let's think about this just from a math perspective, right? If you've got X amount of traffic coming to your site and you're converting, you know, Y percent of that traffic into leads, if you can just double that in conversion into leads, imagine what that can mean to your bottom line, not necessarily month one or month two, but after 12, 18, 24 months particularly depending upon the product or service you have, the lifetime value of those clients, the average ticket price. I mean, there's there's just, it can really snowball. And I think people underestimate the power of this, of conversion rate optimization and a very simplistic type of strategy like this, but the tool itself really, you know, just walks you through it and just makes it a lot easier. So anything else you want to add, uh, Marcus? Yeah. So, I mean, just to, I mean, that's such a good point and I'm, I'm glad you, you raised it because it, for me, like the really exciting part of this, and I think the reason why we got so excited to build this early on and the, the customers that, that we see kind of really uh, getting the most out of this is when you've like, particularly if your company say you're, you're running paid ads and you're spending a fair bit of money on AdWords, you're doing a bunch of SEO, you're doing a bunch of, of content marketing all of those channels typically are driving people to a form. And the form is this sort of like bridge between all of this anonymous traffic and then the values that you're able to convert into sales. And the beautiful thing, like if you can take that form and, and as you say, double that conversion rate or triple that conversion rate, it's so satisfying to then see all of your PPC spend is now two or three times 
uh, more effectively deployed. Like your, your cost per conversion drops by three times. Your SEO performance is now two, three times better performing. Your content, every single marketing channel ahead of that form becomes more effective and therefore gives you this massive competitive advantage because now you can buy traffic far more profitably than competitors. So it's, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't see this with every client. Like this is not a, a sure thing, but when customers do nail this and they get the form right for their kind of situation, their industry, you can see just this such amazing cascading effect of like improving all the different uh, marketing activity that they're doing. Yeah, I love it. Perfect. I wasn't even thinking about the paid traffic. And I mean, the the importance of obviously conversion there. I mean, that literally can make or break your bottom line, whether the campaign's profitable or whether you're losing a, a buttload of money. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's I think that's a great, great point to make, obviously. So, all right, well, listen, two questions rapid fire, then we're going to wrap it up for today. One is not your tool, not lead formulae, but what is one maybe growth tool or software that you use to help grow your different ventures? Something that you're using, maybe a SaaS product or some sort of a tool or app. So we've um, we've just started using a tool called ClickFlow, which is built by Eric Sue. Yep. From Single Grain. Uh, Single Grain. Yep. And it, it's nuts. Like we we actually were building something very similar internally, and I met Eric. He he told me about this tool, and and he kind of said, just stop stop what you're doing. Stop stop building it. Like we've built ClickFlow, and we've been using it for the past month, and it's it's incredible. It's basically an SEO A/B testing tool that sits in front of your content delivery network. And so it means you can rapidly run SEO AB tests on your title tags, your meta descriptions. Um, we're seeing, as I say, we've only been using it for about a month now, but we're seeing really, really good results from it. Awesome. Perfect. And what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience? Maybe something that helped you along your journey or you think that uh, you know would benefit the audience? So one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Anything You Want by Derek Sivers, who's a huge inspiration for me, but it's the reason why I recommend it so much is is because it's it really challenges this idea that you know all this best practice advice that we read about businesses and we hear it really kind of challenges that and makes you realize you know when you run a business you can create your own rules and you're creating your own little world that you know follows your values. So it's a great kind of relief that you know there's no set right way of doing this. You can you can make things up as you go along. Perfect. Well, listen, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Let everybody know how they can reach out, connect with you, learn more about Lead Formly and what we talked about today, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So um, best way to reach out to me is is email. Uh, so it's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S at VentureHarbor.com. And it's Harbor spelt the British way. So it's uh, H-A-R-B-O-U-R.com. And in terms of if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about Lead Formly, I do run a, a free webinar which goes into how you can how you can capture more leads from your website and just dives into a lot of the stuff we talked about here in a bit more detail. And you can visit that webinar at leadformally.com forward slash acquire hyphen more hyphen leads. Perfect. I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes. And listen, congratulations, Marcus, on all your success. I really appreciate you being here today. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Marcus. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.